Hey guys, today we talk about mentorship. And I think it's a topic that's often overlooked in how much a mentor can actually help you early on in your career or even beyond that. My guest started out as software engineer, moved his way up to engineering manager, and is now mentor to a lot of people as well. Anand Safi. Welcome to Beyond Coding, a dive into the world of successful people in IT. From your sponsors, Zebia, creating digital leaders. Here's your host, Patrick Akil. Hey, Anand. How's it going? Hey, Patrick. Nice to chat with you. All's going well. How are you? Awesome, man. I'm doing well as well as well. I haven't haven't said that in a while. Thanks for joining us remote. You're uh, you're in Canada, I heard. Yes, I am in Montreal. Great to join remote as well and speak with you. Awesome. So I invited you on to talk about mentorship. Uh, I think it's very important for, especially when you're early on in career, uh, to have a good mentor because it's kind of make or break uh, in where you want to go and, and kind of accelerating that process. Uh, but before we get into the nitty gritty in, on that aspect, what's your, your, what's your experience been so far with mentorship? How are you involved in kind of the, the domain there? Yeah, I think you said right. Like, there's a lot of value to be unlocked and and had, uh, but it's it's not always evident when somebody starts this journey. So for me personally, I started, uh, and maybe for most people, I started as a mentee mm. uh, rather than I, I didn't just wake up one day and say like, oh, I have now enough knowledge and experience to just start mentoring people. It's yeah. not anything formal mentorship uh, is not where you get a certification or just a lot of kind of uh, formal credibility versus a coaching you might actually so for me it was trying to gain the right uh, kind of uh, insights from mm. from folks uh, whether in the industry or or my peers or maybe my manager back then so it, it goes back kind of a few years when I was in New York and um, I, I always had a growth mindset in trying to kind of see that, not in terms of growth mindset, in terms of greed and chasing the next title or promotion, yeah. but a growth mindset in terms of trying to expand my impact by being involved in kind of a variety of things where I felt I could add, add value. So yeah. I was always trying to figure out those channels because there's a very linear path to software engineering careers or, or mm. used to be that you or a junior engineer, you work for your way to a mid-engineer, to a senior engineer, but I always wanted to make sure that I do justice to my software development tasks or, or role, but at the same time have some form of collaboration or communication going with other cross-discipline stakeholders as well. So that's where I think uh, for me mentorship, now that I map back, could be my one-on-ones with my manager. That's how it started. Yeah. Uh, me trying to put my goals or my kind of uh, wish wish list thinking out to my manager and then working with him um, and, and getting kind of his ideas in terms of what opportunities could I leverage without compromising my core commitments or kind of the role I was hired to do for my company actually. So uh, trying to bring it back, I would say mentorship for me now starts starts by making sure that there is a safe space where you can talk with someone who has either lived the journey or knows enough about what kind of you're implying through that journey to at least guide you to the next best step 
or at times simply advise you against it. It's not always that when you say you want to do something, everybody needs to just kind of drop everything and encourage you and let's see how you get there. Yeah. It might be, let's take a minute to pause or let's take a step back and see uh, what might come out of that. Is it something you really want in that sense? Yeah. Looking back at my, well, I had a really good mentor starting off uh, and it was exactly, I, I come from an operations background. So back then it was in operations and it was one of my peers, uh, but he kind of took that mentor role and kind of guided me through uh, early on in my career. Because obviously when you come off from university or whatever you're doing, might even be a career switch nowadays, uh, the landscape is pretty broad, right? It doesn't matter if it's operations or more architecture or software development. There's a lot of different facets. And as you said, uh, you probably think you know what you want to do. Uh, unless you actually try it, you don't know if it's the right, the right solution for you or the right thing to do for you as well. So being or, or having a mentor that has gone through that and has kind of that same experience uh, or the experience that can relate to that, I think for me, it, it helped kind of propel me throughout my career and it made it easier to move, as you said, from kind of a more junior thing uh, to a meteor position to a senior position. Um, I don't think I would have done that without the, the guidance that I had. It also made me more comfortable in my role, basically yeah. having someone uh, to challenge me and, and to think differently. So I'm glad yeah, we, uh, I, we align on that one. I, I would like to say one thing where you said something really mm. of great value when I, when I hear between those lines in terms of there's, there's an element of discipline and, and keeping someone in check, not yeah. the wrong way, but in terms of, as, as you said, right, that my mentor or my manager then helped me uh, with kind of uh, keeping me focused to my goals that I had set probably in the first few sessions or first few one-on-ones, right? Because, yeah. for example, I started doing front-end development. I thought maybe I need to do a full stack. I started doing that. Then I thought, oh, probably DevOps is the new thing. I need to focus on AWS workings and everything. And he used to kind of get like, is this a moving target or is this really what you want to do? Yeah. I think your goal is to kind of be a full stack engineer or try to work with stakeholders. DevOps or uh, kind of infrastructure work is is great, but does it align with your goals? So it's trying to uh, kind of make sure that you are staying focused and not kind of getting too drifted away at the, the next big wave or next, next big thing that comes your way. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, I'm thinking of an analogy and it might be you're going to a different country, you have no clue where to go. And you, sometimes you ne just need a tour guide, right? There's a lot of different streets, yeah. a lot of different restaurants, uh, but you really value that tour guide and, and you probably listen to them uh, and, and have their or hold their opinion pretty highly. Kind of feels the same as right. in a mentor just to guide you along that career path because it's, it's both, it has depth in a lot of fields as well as it's really broad. So you can basically pick and choose uh, and then also pick and choose how deep you want to go based on the different levels there. Yeah, it could totally be depth in terms of a particular skill or a focus area, but it, it could always have elements of breadth in terms of uh, trying to have the right mindset, trying to have psychological safety, yeah. trying to be effectively communicating what you want, trying to be expressive. Uh, many, many kind of the human skills of, yeah. of making kind of uh, actionable progress towards your goal that you have in mind. Yeah, I'm, I'm wondering because I, I like the thing that you said about mindset. But I wonder how much is already ingrained in you, actually, as a person or before you come in, and how much you can learn and a mentor can help in that way, kind of define and refine that mindset. What's your, what's your take on that one? Yeah, 
I think it works both ways. So I'm going to talk about two general things, both for mentor and mentee. Yeah. I think the really first thing that is important in terms of the mindset is being open uh, or, or just maybe openness uh, as, as kind of a virtue, right? Yeah. And what I mean by that is for the mentee, it is mm. open to receiving. Oh, I think Anand dropped off for a minute. Let's see if he... Are you back with us, Anand? Uh, the wondrous worlds of, uh, of recording. I'm not sure remote. what happened there. I'm not sure what happened there. Cool. Let's no say worries. that question again. Okay. Yeah. yeah. We'll, just, uh, we'll just pick up where you left. So you were talking about the mentee's kind of introduction towards a different mindset. Yeah. So I, I would say the openness virtue is important. And I think from a mentee's perspective, it should be openness in terms of trying to hear a positive as well as constructive things at times, right? Yeah. At times, your mentor will come back to you and say, this is not probably adequate in terms of where you mm. want to be, or you have probably gone down a rabbit hole and I need to pull you back in that sense. So it's, it's yeah. openness to be able to receive clear feedback because it's for your own good, actually. So making peace with that. For a mentor, the openness comes with being open to new perspectives, ideas, and situations. Yeah. Uh, times where I have personally felt less uh, kind of value in my mentorship was when I tried to apply ideas that were successful in the past mm. to newer situations, thinking that they would fit perfectly well, actually. Yeah. I need to understand the context or the variables of that situation rather than trying to come with a preconceived mindset or notion that, oh, you want to learn React? Well, do three freelance projects and I think you'll get a job out of it. That does not work. That might work for some, yeah. but for some, they're looking for more conceptual clarity in that sense, actually. So the first thing is openness. Uh, and then the second is, I think, uh, mutual respect. Because yeah. uh, what's important is not treating this as a top-down equation in any sense. Yeah. There should not be the fear that you are kind of talking to your boss or somebody like a mentor has so much executive presence. You really need to have a sensible middle ground. And that's how mentor and mentee can both have a real conversation and then grow and learn with each other rather than trying to make it a top-down knowledge uh, importing center or making it sound preachy for, for a buzzword, if I may. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that because it's not necessarily on top of mind immediately, but you do want to have kind of that equal level of conversation. I'm not going to tell everything uh, the same I would to a friend as, to a, as I would to my boss, basically. Uh, because that dynamic is different. That hierarchy is already in place. Even though your boss might say, no, 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 we can just be friends. There is already an yeah. innate hierarchy there. Uh, so having that equal playing field, just the chat with a mentor, super important. And I think it might be overshadowed by a lot of other stuff as well. Yeah, and I think that's why people will have two types of mentors. I know people who do have uh, mentors within the company who can yep. help them grow directly related to the skills and mission related to the company, but then industry mentors where they do not have this equation or, or even the remote kind of human feeling of there might be kind of somebody in my company or somebody kind of uh, higher up that I need to share all of this with. And I'm not sure uh, if this might or might not affect my opportunities or my progress at the company in any sense, yeah. especially if people are trying to navigate career moves or, or changing kind of focus areas or those kind of situations. Yeah, that's, that's how you get to that pure level of objectivity, right? If you don't have stake in the game, doesn't necessarily matter 
uh, company-wise what kind of path someone takes. It's just their personal path, and that should be the one to, yeah. to guide them through on. Uh, I also yeah. like that you said there's not necessarily a cookie-cutter mold, right? Every engineer is different. Uh, it doesn't really matter in which field you are. There's just no cookie-cutter mold. The, the world is not that black and white. Uh, so every context is different, and that's also what you need to take into consideration uh, when you actually advise someone. Um, I'm wondering, though, yeah. when, when did you go from that role of, I'll just call it mentee, uh, to being a mentor yourself and, and guiding other people? Yeah, I think for me, as I said, right, in my software engineering journey, yeah. uh, even the first early years, I always uh, tend to have a presence which is related to the code base or just technology, yeah. but also related to communication, collaboration, being aware of what the product team might have on a roadmap, what the design or the UX practice looks like, or what the QA team might be focusing on or those things. Yeah. So I, I saw that there was a lot of value where the industry itself is moving in the last five years, as I see, to more holistic software engineers or complete engineers. They're trying to even have initiatives in companies where engineers want should be involved in customer calls, for example, yeah. try to get closer to the customer or like those things. The things which were really valuable or natural to me were kind of a new wave of where we wanted to get engineers towards actually. So that is where mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of value in terms of able to speak in terms of how to have that kind of balanced approach, how to make sure that you are staying true to your technical goals, but also having some form of presence uh, overall, how kind of you can have a notion of personal branding. Yeah. Yes, definitely uh, kind of putting the next best technical solution gets your seat at the table as a phrase. Yeah. But um, trying to make sure that you can, you have much more to offer than just solving the next challenge with kind of a, a, a coding implementation or solution, actually. So when I started to talk a lot more about, as I say, the human skills or the pitfalls uh, in, in that sense, actually, yeah. I think it resonated with a lot more folks. And, mm. and people were curious in terms of how did you balance that or how did you kind of have this journey in terms of starting as a SDET to a front-end engineer to a tech lead to a EM um, and then continuing on the engineer leadership path in the yeah. coming months in that sense. So uh, that's kind of where people were fascinated because it's easy to think of, as I said, a vertical career ladder that you need to give your 120% into coding to become a principal engineer, staff engineer, yeah. which is perfectly fine if that is your career goal. But if it was not the case, there is a lot of opportunities to grow as a technical individual or a technical contributor. There is a difference between staying technical versus technical output, right? This yeah. is coding. Staying technical can come in many, many forms. Architecture conversations, brainstorm, debugging, firefighting, PR reviews, trying to look at engineering best practices, trying to have clean coding practices, trying to do some form of TDD or having quality in mind. In mind. So it's just those clear distinctions that really helped me mm. kind of step into more of a mentorship role, yeah. uh, which was either in terms of, yes, trying to have a balanced outlook on software engineering or trying to have a growth mindset and some form of career progression every few years for folks actually. Yeah. That's a, that's a big one because all the all the facets that you've laid out, it is something that, I mean, I'm a, I'm a software engineer now, uh, but it's something you see all around you and you see other people do, but is that necessarily the right thing for me uh, or not necessarily? And it's, it's really easy to try things out nowadays, right? But just having yeah. that mentor 
to guide you through and be like, well, I, I know you, I know what you like, or I think I do. Uh, so let me advise you on that. I think it helps because trying everything yourself is going to take up a lot of time, right? That's why we do a lot of knowledge sharing. That's why we do a lot of blog posts. So we don't make the same mistakes twice, or at least we inform you of what we've learned. Uh, and that's the whole point of mentorship then as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, that that's uh, that's where you said right in terms of a lot of knowledge share for learning. I yep. think Kent Beck said it uh, a couple of months back in a talk mm. that the secret about mentorship is that at times the mentor gets more out of it from a session than the mentee actually. Yeah, yeah, I love that as well. I mean, it's it's just as important from a mentor perspective, right, to have that good talk, uh, to be to be able to organize your thoughts in such a way that it comes across. Right. And, and to also be able to deal with different personalities, different contexts, it's probably going to help you along your own career path uh, in dealing with different customers or different clients or, or just different situations. It's all things that you take with you in your toolbox uh, and along next to the to the new journey or to the next journey, rather. Yeah, yeah, 100% since this remote culture or since I have started using a couple of platforms for remote mentorship. Yeah. I have mentees from India, I have mentees from Israel, actually, and I have mentees from other parts of Europe, yeah. where when I hear about their work culture, what is valued in those engineering cultures is super important for me to know that and not have any unconscious bias in terms of what I have come to know yeah. and what might be valued in North America, for example, actually. So my solutions cannot be cookie cutter, as you said, yeah. even in terms of the cultures or kind of the uh, environment that it, it might be put into practice. Yeah, I mean, even within the same culture, there's already not a cookie cutter mode. So then yeah. even across country, uh, or across yeah. culture rather, it's even harder. How do you, let's say you do a, a first talk with someone, just an introduction thing. How do you make sure they're kind of in a safe space or you create that safe space for them? Because they need to talk about a lot of personal stuff, right? With you as as mentor. How do you create that yeah, environment? I, yeah, I think uh, two, two things that are important when I start kind of the first couple of sessions mm. is trying to simply, even if people are struggling, say, to find the right words. It's, it's not like they're struggling to speak. It's trying to find, because they have a hundred thoughts in their mind, yeah. or there is like 10 problems, or they might not even know that what they think their problem is, is whether a symptom or the actual problem in that sense. So yeah, I one. try to practice the art of listening the first mm. couple of sessions. Uh, I know people will think that if I'm starting a session with a mentor, it's going to change my life in 30 minutes. It's, it's not that, <laughs> right? It's not kind of some, some godsend or just kind of some magic words that will happen in the session that yeah. will kind of change your direction, right? It needs to first start with clarity. First, clarity in your own mind and then with your mentor. So I make sure that I've, I'm practicing or I'm trying to resist my temptation to offer solutions or diagnose with them. Yeah. I'm trying to see if they're able to fully articulate their current situation and what their short-term and long-term goal is. So listening is, is really uh, important in the sense. And the second thing is trying to showcase uh, my vulnerability, right? Mm. No better way to give them more confidence by telling about my own uh, shortcomings or experience, right? And in retrospect, I said, oh, I have a great path going from an ESTA to uh, an engineering leader, but 
it has come with my own share of failures, learnings, pitfalls, things I might have kind of deviated uh, in the sense. So trying to showcase that it's not that I have everything figured out. Uh, it's currently or, or probably will continue to be a work in progress. So trying to talk a lot about kind of my real experiences or, oh, I had that situation in the past. Uh, I will not tell you what to do, but I can tell you what not to do because I learned that the hard way in that sense. So trying to speak about personal experiences is a yep. huge kind of uh, uh, talking point or approach to my personal mentorship style. Yeah, yeah, I like that a lot. The first one, listening is so simple, yet so hard to put in practice, right? And for kind of, if I take the mentee position, I mean, sometimes mm -hmm. if I talk, I just vent. And because of the virtue that I've laid all my thoughts out there, it already helped in kind of structuring and, and figuring out for myself what I actually want to do as a next step. So sometimes as a mentor, you don't even need to respond. You just need to listen because sometimes that's just what we need, basically. Someone to listen to our, uh, our story. Yeah. yeah. And then the second part you mentioned about kind of that safe environment, I think humility is a big part. I don't know why, but coming from university, um, I let me let me switch that right now I see more and more that it's open uh, that failure should be accepted and it's it's completely fine to fail right we're all human everyone yeah. fails and we fail and we can learn from that and that makes us stronger right doesn't matter how hard right. you fall as long as you get back up and, uh, and start running but my perception from university going to the, the adult world uh, the IT world was not like that Right? I, I didn't yeah. know everyone failed and everyone made mistakes. It just seemed like everything was on order uh, and everything just, just went as it went, basically. So then it's right. that perception is there's such a mismatch there now uh, versus what I had. What do you think that is? Yeah, so I think first there is still a really difference in terms of academic learnings versus industry uh practices actually yeah. and it's difficult to teach right uh in terms of i i was talking to somebody last month and mm. it was like it's not that the academic system is failing yep. it's only that you realize later points in time that what they were trying to teach uh was the building blocks or the dots themselves yeah connecting the dots will kind of be your aha moment that you realize years from now right we had a book on software engineering uh, probably in, in college 12, 13 years back for me. And it had yeah. everything about agile waterfall. I didn't know what that means hmm. or I couldn't see the value even for the first five years of after me going into an industry because a lot of the companies and teams were still waterfall or, or did not even classify something as one versus the other. Yeah. There was simply this is how we roll. We we get requirements, we build code, we give it to QA to test, and then we do a lot of testing, we release, and then we again do a lot of regression testing, and then the cycle continues actually. So uh, it's only kind of at later points you realize that what academic is trying to teach is, um, is, is yes, in part ways it's somewhat outdated in terms mm. of how fast the industry is changing, yeah. but uh, in some ways it is important to kind of know those foundational things in order to get the true value because maybe I'm able to pick on agile rituals much more easily than maybe a couple of other folks because I had that course uh, in, in my uh, kind of uh, schooling days, right? Yeah. We see software engineering as a field where you, you find one of the most diverse backgrounds for folks. 
you would see somebody that, oh, I did economics or I did history or I majored in uh, literature and now I'm a software engineer, self-taught. I did six months of projects or I did a three-month boot camp and here I am. They will pick on the syntactic stuff and, and the uh, technology tools, yeah. but they might have a little bit of kind of curve in adjusting to the agile rituals, way of working, uh, working dynamics, all that. And that kind of that schooling does give somewhat edge in terms of at least processing change uh, because there will be process change in companies day in day out so yeah. in, in terms of processing change or adapting to that a little bit more easily than kind of some of the other folks in that sense yeah and along the way then i think where the kind of your academic journey ends is really when a mentor can really pick it up and guide you through your initial phases of your career or even just along the way doesn't really matter if you're your meteor senior actually uh, i think i still value mentorship even though I'm, uh, hopefully I am pretty senior in what I'm doing. Um, but uh, it still helps just to talk uh, to someone, weigh out the options, get their opinion, get their perspective. Right? It helps form your own. Uh, and it's just a kickstart in, uh, in initializing that process. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think 100% in terms of mentorship, even earlier the better. I started my mentorship only when I got this one-on-one -on -one safe space yeah. uh, with uh, my manager in the company. But in retrospect, I would have loved to start even five years before when uh, uh, just just to really be, be kind of more uh, transparent and, and laid out as a layman in terms of, yeah. I wish I had talked more to my academic advisor in college, right? They're not simply there to advise on what course you pick this semester. You should have real conversations on what you like doing or maybe uh, years past in college, what course did you enjoy the most? What did you like about them? So I never kind yeah. of took the time to connect in that sense. Maybe I was new to the country. I, I was new to the culture coming from India or, or those things. But I probably could have been much more open yeah. uh, in terms of trying to have honest conversations. And that might have helped some of kind of accelerate some of my career path rather than having to uh, fall and figure out multiple times along the first five years, actually in terms of really knowing my niche or where I think my path lies uh, for, for at least a foreseeable future. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. I, I really recognize what you say in that it's sometimes you don't realize it when you're in that position, but looking back, you could have kind of gotten more out of some certain conversations with some certain people, right? It doesn't have to be in the, uh, the adult world and your career path. It could even be still in your academic journey. Yeah, I, I definitely absolutely. relate to yeah, that. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, looking back on, uh, on mentorship, though, I think I think I see a lot of people which are kind of on the edge and are like, well, I, mm -hmm. I kind of might want to be a mentor, but I'm not sure if I'm the right person or not, or if I know mm -hmm. kind of my field well enough for others in uh, and to give advice on that. Um, how was that for you? Were you, uh, was your comfort level so high or maybe so high is not the right word, uh, but at the right level that you actually made that step? Uh, or did you experiment more and, and try and uh, tread the waters a bit lightly and figure things out along the way? Yeah, so uh, I think it's 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 fair to be honest that, yes, this is not 
uh, as I said very early on, mentorship is not like coaching where you will have some form of formal training or validation yeah. of your style or ideas, actually. Yeah. So uh, I continue to learn and grow uh, in the sense. And my earlier times might not have been the same way as I do my sessions now, yeah. but it probably might not work. So the way I approached it is with starting small. Mm. Simply, it could be within your current team or helping your peer out. Yeah. Uh, is if uh, it uh, for me it started with simply onboarding uh, i knew kind of uh, having been at the company for three four years that what are some things that folks who recently joined the team or company yeah. should be aware or kind of just uh, know about and i used to help unblock people in terms of onboarding items or just simply uh, helping that in that sense so it was a mentoring was simply trying to work with someone yeah. to get what they needed actually rather than trying to send a link i would yeah. say it's not that oh you have this build failure look at the slack thread yeah follow the steps and see if it works that's i very have hands given off. you the link that yeah. says yeah so i wanted to make sure yeah let's see what that what that is because that is mm. interesting why that is the case from there i started to work with industry folks in terms of probably students in current master's program or new engineers actually because okay. that was a space where i was comfortable i had been there five years ago i yeah. know that kind of what it feels like or what i had tried so i started to expand my circle of influence yeah. by starting with a kind of personality types or just kind of situations which mm. I had most confidence. I'm, I'm not saying that which I had kind of or, or most confidence in experience yeah. in terms of I know at least how to have a real conversation yeah. uh, in this regard actually. From there it continued to kind of junior to mid-level engineers to engineers wanting to become senior engineers. Now it is expanding to day in day out engineering leaders, people who want to move from senior engineer to a manager role, people who want to move in their engineering management career, all of that. So it continues yep. to expand and build. It's not that I started like, okay, I am now open for mentorship. These are my slots, go for <laughs> it. In the sense, it started really hands on and trying to realize along the way, oh, probably there is a more formal touch to it, or probably this means something in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I really recognize that there's two ways you can go about helping someone, right? You can send them a link, as yeah. you said, very hands off uh, and be like, well, you can yeah. figure it out on your own in that way. Or you can take them along the way and make sure it's actually fixed and you fix it together. That's something that's Absolutely. very actionable and you can already kind of play around with and experiment in your own team. Uh, I think, I, think yeah. I like that experimentation in your own team aspect of it. Yes. And then from there, yeah, I mean, it makes sense that you say, uh, I looked for people that I could relate to the most, right? Because that's mm -hmm. if you have been in, in that position a few years back, you can still relate to where they come from. Things are still the same uh, to some degree. Uh, and you actually yeah. you can actually give your advice, not necessarily on what they should do, but on what you have done and how you are where you are now. Um, and from there, Absolutely. as you mentioned, your your span of influence kind of grows, and you take that next step. Yeah. Yeah. How has it ever been that you talk to someone and you said, "Well, there's just not a good personality match, or or it's not really working that well"? Because I think that might be hard from a from a mentor position. Uh, I try to kind of make sure that I'm not judging that actually the first mm. few sessions yeah. because it's simply that we 
are not connecting on the frequency yep. or the underlying or, or the underlying path that we need to take yep. uh, in that sense. But I would be more than happy to say there have been situations where the mentees actually are trying to look for many mentors at a time. Or mm. like they would do first sessions of three or four. Now at times come come or kind of uh, they would come back to me and say. I think there is somebody. Maybe that it's uh, there are multiple things. Sometimes it's purely logistics. Logistics yep. actually. Somebody will say, "Well, this person, I, I folks from India, say to me like, I found a mentor who's reasonably good, but in India, so we don't need to work this uh, ten-hour time zone difference. Yeah. Where they need to do a session at midnight, or I need to do a session at my midnight. In that sense, actually, or there would be someone who will say they are probably most more closely aligned with my industry because I might be able to guide someone in terms of basic skills and know-how yeah. but at times mentees are also looking for more personalized kind of offering say somebody is in a game design industry or a kind of in an ai space or kind of a data science space i am aware i work with teams i've practiced some of it but i'm not a kind of that's not where my career focus lies actually yeah. and at times we definitely need to make sure that it's it's them getting the most value yeah. rather than us trying to work with only one person. There are infinite mentees and infinite mentors coming up day in, day out. So yeah. it's not trying to work with just one person. It's trying to work with the right person. So I probably kind of don't hold kind of any of those things as a reflection. But if yeah. there's some feedback in terms of your style is different than what I was expecting, then I probably need to make sure I'm trying to get that from the mentee early yeah. on in the sessions rather than trying to, again, have that cookie cutter similar to solutions, a cookie cutter style as well. Somebody might need more direction. Somebody might simply need a higher level uh, kind of statement and they will figure it out on their own. So a run book style approach versus hands off. Yeah. Also, we need to work with a mentee uh, and, and the mentor between them to figure out what one would prefer actually. Yeah, it's still about finding that right match, right? For you as a mentor and kind of what you've learned and the right people to guide them through kind of the similars or the similarities. Uh, and for the other people, the background they have and they want to specialize in uh, and in looking for a mentor that has kind of that same uh, background and, and perspective on that to guide them through the way. Yeah, I like Correct. that. That makes uh, makes a lot of sense. I had a thought. So now you're in kind of a mentor position. How many mentees do you currently have? It's more of a, the the practical aspect of things. Because I think at some point you you'll just be like, well, this is too many people, too many context switches yeah. and all that stuff. It Continues to change uh, month yeah. in month out, but currently it would be eight, or or probably eight, and then yeah, actually close to ten or eleven. Uh, but mm. uh, it, dif it it's different in terms of the time needed, right? Most yeah. sessions are thirty minutes twice a month. Okay. So overall, it might be ten hours for ten mentees. Yeah. Maybe we double it. It's 20, definitely manageable because mm. if you spread throughout the month, it's probably three to five hours a week, which is if I take two mornings or two evenings and I'm done in that sense. Uh, yeah. So it, it's totally manageable in that sense. But to your point, uh, if I am working with someone pretty more intensive or if I'm working kind of day in, day out, yeah. then I want to make sure I'm limiting that. 
because I also have a full daytime job and, and uh, all my direct reports are mentees in some sense. I have eight <laughs> other mentees already that yeah. I need to work with uh, throughout the week as well. Yeah, that makes sense. That number is already a, a bit higher than I had in mind. But as you said, if it's not everyone is going to have uh, kind of weekly sessions or bi-weekly. Some of it is going to be monthly or bi-monthly. Everyone has it's, kind it's of a different rhythm. Yeah, st- staying connected that yeah. they kind of know that they have someone if they need to go to. Yeah. A lot of the times it's async through chats, but sometimes I think I'm at a good checkpoint or a milestone. Let's have a session and review that and, and kind of determine and then they will have the session. They'll take upon the action items and then they will go do their thing and we'll keep on continuing to check through chat or just kind of offline uh in the sense yeah. it not might not be a dedicated session always yeah it's probably always a, a moment needs to happen for them to analyze and kind of um reflect upon together with you uh, or just to, yeah. to talk about goals and stuff and once you've defined those or and refined those to a certain degree uh then you can go along yeah. and kind of achieve those again, again as well i like that yeah um i was wondering since you started out with your mentorship I'm a big fan of kind of reflecting in the things I do day to day. And I think you would do that from a mentor perspective as well. Do you have any, any methods for that? Do you talk a lot with your mentees uh, about kind of your, your teaching style? Uh, how do you do that, that reflection as a mentor? Yeah, I would get feedback over time. Actually, it's not every session, but I would get feedback over time in terms of uh, what is working for them, what is not. Yeah. And I try to do that across mentees. And uh, it's fascinating because the answers will be on opposite spectrums. What one works for one might not work for the other. Yeah. So it's not that I'm trying to gain a uniform answer because I mm-hmm. doubt I'll get a uniform answer that works for everyone yeah. uh, in the sense. But I'm trying to get the feedback to make my mentorship style more adaptive or adaptable to their needs and situation rather yep. than trying to uh, change something fundamentally on who who am who I am as kind of a mentor or as a personality yep. uh, uh, because I think again that will kind of confuse my style and I'll confuse them in turn so I try to make sure it's more contextual rather than kind of more general in nature yeah yeah if it's if it's feedback on the way you're doing things and that's kind of your style then that's hard to change there's just there's just a mismatch in that way yeah, I get that. What would you advise someone that's kind of early on in their career? Do you think uh, they would be able to find a mentor kind of outside their company or inside their company? I think there's a lot of companies that do that, right? Offer outside help. Yeah. So I think especially during onboarding time, you might say we have a buddy system or yeah. we have a mentor assigned. Try to use that. Try to talk to folks about those. Mm. If not, your manager is kind of your best bet. If not, you also have your skip level meetings in terms of your manager's manager. Yeah. Uh, you might have your teammates. So there's there's many, many ways to kind of just uh, relate a little bit in terms of personal branding, at least stating as an individual what you care in terms of your vision, mission, or kind of what you want to do yeah. or the kind of impact you want to have. Mm. So being open uh, and taking initiative is important. I I kind of realized that later in my journey Mm. as an engineer, I was doing work waiting to be self-discovered, but that did not happen. At times you need to uh, share, share things out there actually. So that was important for me in that sense. And I encourage people to just have conversations actually, because uh, uh, I think the, the biggest barrier is, does it affect my 
job or role or would they continue to keep me if I'm saying I am interested in data analysis versus uh, currently Python or, or probably front-end that you have hired me for. Yeah. But uh, talking, we'll see if there's opportunities. There's equally a risk for a company yeah. to go to the market, interview, hire someone, onboard someone, and then see or lose quality talent. So they would either, they would, sorry, not either, they would rather make mm. it work for you here yeah. than someplace else, given that you have the right uh, talent and potential, actually, in the sense. So uh, it, I would say it is much more uh, easier and okay to have these conversations than it might have been for folks a decade back or just when we still had a very, very top-down teams uh, in, in similar to like large enterprise companies. Yeah, I, I really like that. I wouldn't have wanted to be in a position where I wanted to make a career switch and I would just be afraid that they would fire me. That's, that's definitely not a position we're in nowadays because hiring is so hard. Uh, they would rather kind of retrain you and keep you on um, because I think companies nowadays uh, hire a lot for mindset. And people that are just willing and open and have that skill to learn uh, and take ownership of a domain they don't know, right? Even in your current position, you're always learning. There's always new facets, uh, new aspects that you take, need to take ownership of and, uh, and make your own. So if it's a different skill or a different kind of job day to day, you still need to have that mindset and that ability to learn uh, and shift gears in that way. Absolutely. Yeah, you're 100% in that. Yes. Yeah. The thing you mentioned early on in kind of figuring out your goals or or maybe it's more values, but kind of maybe your authority mission is a, is a good way to phrase it. I think that's very hard to do early on. What would you advise for that? Yeah, so can you expand a little bit more? Into yeah, no problem. You yeah, yeah, please. Because it's the, I'm, I'm just talking about my perspective. I think for me personally, it's very hard to define a long-term goal that I want to achieve. My goals are rather more short, but even the shorter ones are not as refined sometimes. They're just like, I want to be better at this, or I want to do this, or I want to pursue this. Uh, but even those are kind of rough and they, they're very interchangeable, I guess. And very early on, I didn't even know that I wanted to do these things. They just kind of came up and I, I took it as an opportunity. Um, but it's hard, I think, to sit down with someone and actually talk about their goals, about what they want to achieve. Because at some point, your mind is not used to, to that conversation yet, I think, early on. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, there are two, uh, two things that you said wonderfully mm. there in terms of uh, balancing being rigid and being aware of what you want versus trying to realize actually what you want because that can only come from experiencing new things yeah. or until you kind of are exposed to new opportunities or situations in that sense actually. Mm. So that being said, I would say uh, definitely it's difficult to have those conversations early on actually, yeah. but the important part is trying to fit that into existing conversations uh, every now and then. So. Yeah. Uh, it's not that as a junior engineer or kind of as a new uh, engineer or, or, or kind of a new industry professional, uh, you will be asked every two weeks, what is your goal? What is your goal? Because simply, I don't know, actually. Yeah. It's, it's, it's trying to work more through feedback, validation, and opportunity, actually, as a cycle. So, um, so your first month or so, you uh, kind of went through the onboarding setup or you uh, got a chance to look at kind of a part of our code base. Did you like that? Or 
or uh, how was your first 90 days here? How were your first 90 days? Actually, things that really resonated. Yeah. Did you like uh, trying to do more PR reviews or knowing more about our code base? Or do you really liked when you were given one clear task or focus area yeah. and you were told that, yes, go make this refactor happen in that sense. So mm. over time, that's on the mentor or the manager to do that mind map on where these individual data points are leading to a pattern or a flow yep. towards something bigger that something might be of interest to individuals actually to come up together with the goals or areas of focus actually. So it could simply be that the first two to three quarters you are trying to do multiple things to simply kind of gauge interest in terms of what resonated with you the most or where you would like to kind of go a little bit deeper and experiment in that sense. Yeah, I like that a lot. First, you need to actually orientate where you are, uh, what grasps you in such a way that you want to pursue it and explore a bit more. And based on kind of your personal preference, that's then yeah, where the goals can come in. What what lot that I said in, in our conversation today might be philosophically correct. Yeah. Well, you have clear goals, just state your goals and then <laughs> we'll make it happen in the sense. But it's, it's definitely not the case. I probably don't know where my career is going to end up yeah. in a sense, actually. Uh, when I'm doing a lot of these, people are asking me, are you planning to open your consulting thing or your advice mm. thing or are you planning to write a book in that subject or something? Yeah. It's not a goal of mine, but I'm trying to just figure out that how can I share a knowledge? So I'm trying to kind of realize what I want to do yeah. and the ways I do that or the final outcome as a result of doing that can be completely different and you cannot plan or predict for that in the sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's totally fine. At some point you will realize kind of what you want to do. Uh, and some people work better with goals than others. Uh, but you still have kind of an end goal in mind. It might not be very concrete. You might not even know it, but you're still working towards something. And, and I think yeah. that's completely fine. Everyone has their own style and their own journey. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Cool, man. Anant, I want to thank you for coming on. I had a lot of fun, man. Thank you so much, Patrick. I think you made this really easy for me because the way you were able to process uh, maybe my long and complex answers <laughs> and able to come with clear uh, forward-thinking talking points made, made this really easy on my end. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. I appreciate that compliment. I loved having you on, and let's do this again sometime. Absolutely. would love to chat again in the future. Thank you. Awesome, man. Anant Safi, everyone. From your sponsors, Zebia, creating digital leaders.